0: In today's episode, we're speaking to Darren Smith. Darren is a film producer, author, and founder of Craftsman Creative, where he shares his experience with creative entrepreneurs and business owners to help them build and grow their awareness, engagement, revenue, and revenue using his movie framework. Let's speak to Darren and find out how he changed his life by changing his mindset. Let's find out. And remember, if you want to upgrade your money mindset, then click on the link www.millionairefoundations.com and watch my free training. Money Mindset with Girl Count podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance.
1: Welcome, welcome.
0: This is GoCon, your money mindset expert. And today I'm so excited. We have the amazing Darren Smith. Welcome, Darren.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Wonderful to be here.
0: It's such a pleasure to have you, Darren. Darren, everyone's heard your intro. They know how fabulous you are, but please, in your own words, tell everybody what it is that you do.
1: Well, it's, it's hard and it changes on every single podcast I go on. So I'm a film producer by trade, but really a creator at heart. So I've been in music and film and television for like my whole adult life, but also in music since I was a young kid. So Mm -hmm. creativity is flowing through the veins here, but I work as a film producer and when I'm not producing, I do consulting with creative entrepreneurs who run businesses and are trying to get unstuck and figure out their way forward.
0: Awesome, fantastic. So talk us through this journey of yours then. You know, how does, um? I mean, what was your musical journey and how did you end up going into this profession? I mean, this is a hard, hard profession to be in and uh, let alone to be have success and to be financially viable. And people just see the, you know, the few rock stars that come out and they make millions and so forth. That's, you know, that's the, the creme of the creme. But there are so many amazing musicians who can barely make ends meet on, you know, using their talents. So talk us through your journey. How have you found this musical industry, which can be uh, your enemy or your friend, your friend or <laughs> a foe, depending on where you are?
1: Yeah, the through line through all of it is that I knew what I wanted and what I wanted was to not have people tell me what I can and can't do in my life. And so- if Well, you that's according
0: start... to an entrepreneur. That's more than a musician. That's just <laughs> an entrepreneur.
1: <laughs> we all resonate with that one, right? Yeah. So, you know, from the time I was a newborn- I was going to the Sacramento Jazz Jubilee with my grandparents every single year. So I grew up on jazz music. I was the weirdo in high school that didn't listen to Ben Folds and alternative music and all the other bands that were big in the 90s. I was listening to jazz music. I I didn't listen to either, by the way. It's okay. (laughs) I had to catch up late years later in college. Um, So when I got to college, I went there on a saxophone performance scholarship. So I was a saxophone player, jazz sax player. I was already a professional musician in that I had been paid money to play saxophone. So I'd started uh, combo groups and played at gigs and had made money as a performer. And as soon as I got to university, I realized I didn't want that path because what they told me was the only thing you can do is study saxophone. You have Mm -hmm. to practice three, four hours a day, if not more. And you're going to either be a teacher or performer. Those are kind Mm. of the two paths. And I said, no, thanks.
0: Mm. I don't
1: actually enjoy either of them that much to try that hard. I just like playing jazz music. And Mm. so I kind of gave up on that and found my way to live sound. And I loved it. Fell in love with doing the engineering and the live aspect and working with bands. And I felt like I was a member of the band because I would sit there and I would bring up the reverb or I would change the tonality of different instruments to make them sound better in the room. Mm. I just love the musicality of that role. But when I was finishing up my college time, my internship was with a gentleman named Mike McDonough, who did post-production sound, which I did not know what that was. But he was the guy putting all of the explosion sounds and the car screeches and the gunshots into different Ah. movies. And I was like, oh, Oh, my gosh. I love this. For one, I still loved the technical aspect of working with a soundboard and an editing system, but the hours were nine to five. I wasn't touring on the road. I wasn't working nights and weekends. Like by that point, I had a wife and I had children and I I didn't want to be on the road for 11 months out of the year. So I transitioned into film at the end of university, started my own creative business called SoundSmith Studios, which was post-production sound. And that led me a winding road from being a sound guy to being on set to writing and now producing. So I've been producing for about 11 years full time wow. and love, love, love it. What kind of movies do you produce? So they're all independent features. I've done three to date and I just started working on another one a week ago. So we're shooting in September and they're all like under $2 million. You know, two of them were shot in Utah and one last year we did in South Africa. So I was in Cape town Mm -hmm. for seven weeks doing an independent movie out there, which was amazing. Um, So they're all independent movies, uh, self-financed. So it's not studio financed or financed by a distributor they're independently financed, written and directed by independent filmmakers. And they are just the most fun you could ever have for a job being on set every day.
0: Now, I, I ask this because it's difficult enough to have a foothold in the film industry. It doesn't matter which part of the world you're in. it's, you know, it's such a It's a very cutthroat competitive field let alone to be an entrepreneur with unpredictability being the center of focus. I mean, and the unpredictability is part of every entrepreneur's life. It's just, you can't get away from it, but it's almost like, you know, you can swim with the sharks or you can swim with the really deadly sharks and you seem to be swimming with the really deadly sharks um, in terms of, you know, the finances and, you know, and making sure that they the stability there, because you still need people forget entrepreneurs have families too, and um, and if you're the main breadwinner, I am too. So your main concern is okay, making sure that everyone else is taken care of, along with while you you know fulfill your creative endeavors and you know all your nicks and acts and taking risks. We are risk takers. We do take risks. How do you balance all of that? How do you take care of bringing the stability home to your wife and your family, you know your children? and still feeding off your creativity and getting doing what makes you happy.
1: Yeah, it takes a little bit of being like unrelenting, like just saying this is what I need for my life and this is mm-hmm. how I want things to work and then finding those that resonate with that. And so what what's interesting is I I really actively don't refer to the money people or the investors as sharks or the business people or the money because Mm -hmm. they're really creative partners. They're Mm -hmm. just creative in a different way. So they're creative with money and they're thinking about how they're going to diversify and how they're going to make their returns and being really strategic in that way, the same way I'm strategic about how are we going to get this location for the budget that we have? Mm -hmm. Or how are we going to give this costume designer enough budget so that she feels really good about the work that she's doing. And so that mental shift or mindset shift around these aren't just investors and I need their money so I can go and Spend it to make art. It's saying that they're collaborators, they're partners in this endeavor. And as soon as I shifted from going out and trying to find money in any way possible to finding the people who are already interested in what I'm doing, A, it became a lot easier to raise money. Mm-hmm. And B, it's a lot more fun. We never have these kind of shark eat minnow or head butting situations because we're all on the same page before we even spend the first dollar. So I think that's such an important thing to realize that, okay, I've got an outcome here. I want a good experience for everybody. I want to make something that costs a million dollars. And I ultimately want to return more than a million dollars to the financiers who put up the money for it. Well, that's a lot of things to balance and juggle. But if you're kind of unrelenting about it, then you can make it happen. It might take 12 years like it took me to produce my first feature film, but we finally got there and my gosh, it worked out great. So I think it's a mindset thing. 100%.
0: 100%. I mean, I, I I believe in any business, in any for any strategy or any, any kind of way forward, it's 80% mindset and 20% strategy. I mean, any business. Uh, so it works across the board. And you just highlighted the exact thing. When you are out to get money, and, and if you see those people as sharks, you, it's going to be very difficult to attract the, the right sort of partners. But when you see them as collaborators, somebody that who can really build a vision with you, and of course, they—I mean—investors need ROIs. They need to have money coming back. Then it it takes the the pressure off, and it becomes a complete different ball game, and it becomes fun at the same time. How do yeah. you handle the stress of of making sure that you do produce ROI? Because he, once you've made a film, you know you it's you you can't obviously you you can have probabilities tactic in your favor, but nothing's hundred percent. How right. do you handle that stress, and how do you work on your mindset? When you're thinking, okay, I've taken a million bucks from this individual, a couple of million from these a couple of investors, they do need the money back and they, they're fully on board, but we need to make something that's one, I'm happy with, and two, we can get ROI back. How do you do that?
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you asked this question because it's an essential part for any entrepreneur to understand money and understand investors, whether or not you intend to take on investors, whether or not you tend to grow that way. You'll never be able to do it if you think of it or approach it as an artist does. Mm. So, the way an artist approaches raising money for a film is they get themselves really pumped up and they find yeah. a project that they're super passionate about. And then they bring that passion to the table and they're presenting and they're doing yeah. all the things and they're putting on the dog and pony show and they're hoping to convince yeah. an investor. To take on some of that passion, or buy into that this in this person, this artist has enough passion to pull this off, yeah that's not how investors think, and so really, the answer to your question is it was understanding what investors need mm. and then again, being unrelenting about giving it to them and so as right now, I'm in the middle of raising a film fund i'm raising a five million dollar fund right now as we're mm. as we're having this conversation, I'm in the middle of that. And it never would have been possible if I approached them as an artist, Mm -hmm. as a creative individual. I came to them and said, I have a business opportunity for you, and it's going to be a crap ton of fun, which all your other investments don't have. Mm -hmm. So, A, it started with okay, what do they want? They want to invest in a viable business, not just a project. They don't want to give an artist 10, 100, a million dollars, 10,000, or 100,000, or a million Mm dollars. To to go create something because that's not a business. No. So what I had to figure out was how do I present this package of four films as a business as a as a viable investment? So I had to look at okay, what do they want? They want let's call it a thirty five percent IRR over five years. Mm-hmm. Does everyone in the audience know what that means? And I'm not trying to say that to talk down to you. I'm just saying. I didn't know what that really meant, and so I had uh, to figure it
0: out. Yeah, I mean, I think I think most people who are listening to this would be uh, either are they either ex corporate employees or from the corporate background, so they felt quite high high academically able, so they'll understand yeah, you know perfect. what that means. So they're basically getting thirty five percent ROI over the next five years, which is quite high actually, Um, because the yeah. average uh, you know it, well considering it, it, the average most. Entrepreneurs aim for is five, well, ten over um, a year, but it's very that's quite difficult. So usually it's about five. So five, five to seven is usually, the, um, you know, the average um, a year. Yeah. So thirty-five or thirty-seven percent over five years is is a very, very uh, good amount.
1: Yeah, this IRR is the internal rate of return, right? So you're saying basically, I'm going to get your money back five x in five yes. years. I'm going to five X your money in five years. And I'm set up to do that. There's no guarantee. The downside is always zero, but my job is to then limit the downside. So how do I do that in film? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go and get guaranteed distribution theatrically for all four movies. So I went and did that. I know theatrical distributors here in Utah. I went and I told them about the project and I said, I want to give you guys first swing at each of these four movies. All I need from you is a letter of intent saying, you will put these four films in theaters. Hmm. They said, great. And they gave me a letter of intent. So all of a sudden I can make back 30 to 40% of my investors money from theatrical on average. Sometimes Hmm. you can two, five X your money just from theaters, but I at least know I got about 30, 35% of their investment returned because I've guaranteed it.
0: I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop.
1: Great. What else? Well, I'm going to shoot in tax-advantaged states. So the state of Utah, where I live, there's a 20 to 25% tax credit for filming in the state of Utah, hmm. especially depending if you shoot in the rural parts of the state or the urban parts. So off a $1 million budget, I could return $200 to $250,000. Well, that's another 20 to 25% of my budget. So all of a sudden, before I've spent a dollar, I've covered 50% or more of the downside. Hmm. And I still have all these other avenues to getting a return on their investment. Cause the fun thing about film is you have a quote unquote exit event with your theatrical release, cause you could do five or 10 or 20 X on your budget just in theaters. If it's a big hit, mm-hmm. but that's not it. You didn't sell your movie. You still own it. So now for the lifetime of the film, you can license it to Netflix. You can mm-hmm. put it on all the flavors of VOD. You can do DVD. You can do streaming. You can do all these other ways, foreign and international sales. There's so many other ways to return an investment and make money on that, that you get to keep for the lifetime. Mm -hmm. So without trying to sound like I'm pitching your audience on the film fund, like that's how I'm approaching it as the, the general partner of this fund to say, here's how I'm going to get you that five X return in five years. Mm -hmm. And I lay it out for them. So now I'm having a conversation about a business opportunity. Not about creative projects. Believe it or not, I didn't even talk about what the four film projects were in the initial uh, conversations with investors because that's not what no, that's about.
0: Exactly. So I mean, I mean, I love how you're approaching this. You're coming from not what I need to say. You're coming from the mindset: what do they need to hear? And it's what do they need to know? And as as interesting as these four projects would be, because I'm an investor. And uh, I don't do film, of course, but I mean, I'm doing property and businesses and other things. I'm not that fussed about the business itself. I'm more interested in, OK, what's the risks? OK, when I put money in, what's my ROI? Um, what are the risks involved? Who is doing it? And what's their credibility, etc. And so it, it makes us, no, it doesn't ma- ma- matter unless someone's really, really interested, which I, I, most investors won't be. If it is A, B, and C, as long as you know, okay, fine, it's going to be this, and we have we've mitigated our risks. And if it says presented as a business opportunity, not oh, we're so excited, we need to go, which is a big change from someone in the creative industry because most musicians or artists they don't have that ability to speak to investors in the tonality in the way that they they the investors want to hear. Uh, And so this this again. Same things can be said in a different way, but you need to have the right mindset behind it. How did you pick up this mindset? How did you work on your mindset?
1: <laughs> uh, mindset is like, like you said, it's 80% of success, right? So I've lived by that for a number of years. And every time I find myself confronting a, pro- a problem where I'm going, I don't know how to do this. I don't quickly think about, well, I, I can't because I don't have these resources or this knowledge or these connections or whatever, I immediately turn to, okay, what do I not yet know? And how do I find people who have already done it? Um, Derek Sivers is a friend and an author and this incredible thinker who's written a number of books, but he in one of his books, I think it's called Your Music and People, which is about marketing, he talks about calling the destination and asking for directions. It's such a brilliant idea hmm. because in anything that we're doing, whether it's real estate investing, business investing, filmmaking. I mean, film's been around since the early 1900s. So this is a proven system that has worked for 120, 130 years. Why am I trying to do it in a new way? That's dumb. Like, let me just call the people who have already done it and figure out how they did it. And so that's Mm kind of what I did. But on the investing side, I'm actually going to pull up my phone because I can't remember. It's Keys of the Something. There's a book by Keith um, Cunningham, um, and it's called Keys to the Vault, I want to say but I just want to be accurate so that it can be in the show notes and stuff. Keys, where are you? Keys to the Vault by Keith Mm -hmm. Cunningham, Keith Mm -hmm. J. Cunningham. And that was the book that taught me how to think like an investor. And it was just an amazing read. And it gave me an understanding in like, you know, two days of, oh, I was saying things, but not in their language. Mm. So I just shift the language and all of a sudden my conversations are like, 80% of them are positive because they, they, I'm now speaking their language. And so, like I said, I took out the whole bit about, well, I have this film and this film and this film, they don't care. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to judge a film, whether it's good or bad or whether it'll make money. They just want to know, oh, well, I can put my money in real estate and get 10 or 12% IRR, or I can put it over here. Yeah. There's more risk, but he's covered the downside. Well, that's interesting. And 35% sounds good. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what's the mental math that's going on in their heads. And so it's recently that this happened. I owe a lot of it to that book. So I highly recommend anyone raising money and go and read it. But it's really that mindset work of like, I've had a business coach for two years. I've had, I've gone to conferences and events and seminars to like literally work on my mindset as an entrepreneur and business owner because I knew that's where I was, I had limitations. And so I see the outcome that I'm looking for and I kind of reverse engineer it. And a lot of that is, who already is teaching this or who already has this knowledge or lived experience? And can I just become friends with them and learn from them directly?
0: Oh, I love that. I think this, you hit the the nail on the head. It's when you started working on your mindset that opportunities started appearing before you and things which seemed... So far away, became, you know, it started to be turning up around you and meet, you're meeting the right people because now you know what to ask for. So, when you ask the universe, the universe is able to deliver. But if you don't know what you need or what you want, but how can it deliver it to you? And this is, I think, this is a key that for a lot of people miss. They keep thinking, I don't have the right connections, I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the know how, I don't even know how to begin but the point is you need to know where you're going and exactly as, a, as the you know, the quote you've said you know for, you know figure out where you want to go and then find it dire- out you know find out how you can get there by you know getting directions or help and so forth but if you don't, if you don't know where you're going you don't but a lot of times people underplay themselves or under you know sell themselves short because they don't believe that they can get there so they don't they don't want to think it's too far away the destination's too far away and Okay, let's not talk about that. Let me just be here in this comfort zone. So entrepreneurs are constantly you know, putting themselves out of their comfort zone. And it's not easy. The life of an entrepreneur is bloody difficult. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone who's got who's faint-hearted. I wouldn't recommend it at all. But the rewards are immense. But you do have to take calculated, not unreasonable, but calculated risks. And you do have to take risks. And not every risk, as I keep saying, don't expect everything to work out always. You will find times when you fall flat on your face. But then that's where the mindset comes in. It comes in and says, okay, let's just this a Let's carry on. Eh, tomorrow's a new day. And tomorrow is a new day.
1: Yeah. Well, and what did you learn from falling down? You know, if you don't yeah. learn from it, you're not going to progress and get better. But there is an amazing quote by Daniel Priestley, who's an author and entrepreneur out there in the UK, Mm -hmm. And love his books, and I've become a friend of his. He was uh, presented at a workshop that I did earlier this year, and such an incredible guy and so generous with his time and knowledge. But he talks about how someone out there has an abundance of the thing that you lack, whether that's money or time or connections or opportunities or whatever it might be. And that was a huge mindset shift for me that unlocked so much. This fund wouldn't have even been a possibility in my brain had I not really embodied and taken that mindset and just said, no, I want that mindset. I believe that there are people out there who have an abundance of money, meaning they have too much. They don't know what to do with it. They want to find something to do with it. So all of a sudden then I'm like, oh, well, what if I added a little bit of a cause or a little bit of a a personal reason to invest in this beyond the rate of return hmm. well it's like okay let's make movies that change people for good hmm. well oh, all of a sudden it's like wow i was connecting with people on a personal level i could talk about how we're in the middle of a writers and now actors strike in hollywood yeah where about that everybody's yeah. striking because the studios have taken too much and given too little yeah and i'm just sitting here going gosh There's such an opportunity here. And the fact that this exists shows how broken the industry is. I want to change that. All of a sudden that becomes a cause. It's a purpose. It's a reason for me to be doing this fund beyond just money. And there are some investors who gravitate more to that than the rate of return because they have such an abundance of money that giving them 35% IRR on their million dollars is like, me going to Wendy's for lunch. Like, it's just not a big deal. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, I had to unlock that part of the mindset in order for me to get to this point where I'm raising money from, you know, send to millionaires and billionaires, mm-hmm. which I never would have been able to get in contact with had I approached it as an artist.
0: Yes, On that note, we're going to wrap this up. Any parting comments from you about working on your mindset to set and achieve bigger goals?
1: I think that everyone listening to this has so much more potential than they give themselves credit for. Mm -hmm. And that's a mindset thing. And so if you were to just pick one mindset, I would pick faith. Mm -hmm. I would pick believing in yourself. I'd like to define faith as belief coupled with action Mm -hmm. because belief on its own is just belief and nothing changes just because you believe it. Yeah. And if you take action, you can actually take a lot of action and be really busy and even really efficient, but get no results that really matter. So action doesn't always lead to results. And so you've got to kind of pair those two, belief and action together, that equals faith. And what do you need to have faith in? You need to have faith in yourself. That if you believe in yourself, if you have a, a desirable goal that you're reaching for, that is going to make the world a better place, it's going to improve your life, the lives of others, everyone it comes in contact with. I think that's a really valuable thing that needs to exist in the world. Otherwise, why would you have ever been given that idea in the first place? Yeah. And then it's about coupling that massive belief with massive action so that all of a sudden you can start making progress because you don't make progress just off belief. It has to be made from action, taking steps every single day, making progress every day. And that's what I would ask people to do. If you want to make one shift, start believing in yourself take the ceiling off of what you think your potential is. Cause I guarantee it's a hundred times bigger than you ever thought it was and go after it, do it unapologetically, do it unrelentingly and just go after it until it happens. Cause like I'd mentioned briefly, it took me 12 years to produce my first feature film. I had that goal for 12 years. I had a video production company. I went and did TV for three years. Like it took a long time, but it finally happened because I had faith that if I kept going, it would happen. And I attribute a lot of the success of like, I'm now a full-time film producer to the fact that I just stuck it out for 12 years. Mm -hmm. Not many people are willing to do that. And that takes a massive amount of faith and belief in yourself. So I would encourage everyone to go do that. If it's a mantra, if it's a meditation, if it's going out and walking and saying, I can do so many awesome things and whatever, like do what you got to do to like ingrain that new mindset into your brain. And that will make a world of difference.
0: Wonderful. On that note, um, tell us, Darren, where can we find you? How can we connect with you on the internet?
1: Awesome. Thank you for that opportunity and chance to chat with you. It's been fun. Um, I'm at Darren T. Smith anywhere on the internet. So I'm mainly on Twitter, sometimes on Instagram. If you want to follow my film stuff, that's where I post my film related behind the scenes pictures on every movie that I work on. Um, And then at craftsmancreative.co is my consulting business and creative business. So I'm an author. I have a book you can read for free. I'm working on another one right now. And so there's a lot of really good resources between a podcast and a newsletter and a blog and book that you can read for free and consume for free over at craft and
0: Wonderful. So if you are listening to this on the podcast, the links for Darren just mentioned would be in the show notes. And if you're watching, the you do down below in the description section. We'll have all the links Darren just mentioned. Do check him out and see how he can help you or well, inspire you to have a better mindset. Thank you so much for coming on our, um, on our podcast today, Darren. We have to be back in my talkies. But for today, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you. It's been amazing.
0: And thank you for listening to me and Darren today. I will be back with another amazing guest on Friday Future, finding out how they change their life by changing the mindset. Until the next time, me, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website www.gulkhan.com and if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop. And if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money, then go and get my book Laws of Money from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.